start a, a kind of a new series. I'm just going to call it Our Church. I couldn't think of a catchy name. But um, anyway, but, but today I want to talk about being passionate for God. I think one of the things that's happened over this past year, people have been locked down. Uh, we've been separated. We've been isolated. And, uh, and so a lot of people have, have lost not just passion for going to church and being here, but really what happens when you're separated from the rest of the body of Christ is you tend to cool off yourself in your relationship. Now, how do I know that? Well, one, the Word teaches that. Number two, I've experienced that. And, uh, and maybe some of you have as well. And so we want to talk about being passionate for God. I believe that's important today more so than ever. I mean, we live in a, in a culture that's increasingly moving away from God. Uh, you know, we, we've got, um, you know, uh, a culture that's moving further and further away uh, from serving the Lord and from uh, having, wanting God in the public place at all. You know, and a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> we studied Noah and, uh, on a Wednesday night, and uh, that was, for me, a fun message, because every time I think of Noah, I think of, you know, some of the TV movies or the play where you're, Noah, you know, he's looking around, and it's like, build a boat, you know, and, and we talked about that, but there came a time when God closed the door on that ark, and when he closed the door, it was too late for everybody else, and... Uh, and just as it was too late then, I believe that the time is coming when it's going to be too late today. And, uh, and so I wanted to just read a, a couple of scriptures to you, and we're going to move on through. But Matthew, Jesus said this, Matthew 24. It's not in your outlines. It's on the screens. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. And so he said it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. Today is just like Noah's day. I mean, if you think about it, in those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. And it's, it's interesting. I saw a headline pop up on my phone uh, last week sometime, and it, and it said, you know, it was like, all this new stuff is coming. And that's kind of what was happening in Noah's day. I mean, it, but it was new stuff that was moving away from God and moving further away from God. And, and so God, God said, as it was in the days of Noah, people are going to be going on, people are going to go peace, prosperity, and all that. And then he said, that's when the Son of Man will come. And so I believe we live in those same kind of days, wicked, immoral. We say what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. I mean, all you've got to do is watch the news to see that. The, the values of our culture are countercultural to the values of Christianity, to following Christ. And, and, and so most people are just living their day, living their lives, not paying attention to, have, to what God says or anything like that at all. And that's, that's really why in Joel 2.12, put this in here, he, Joel, the prophet, or God said through the prophet, turn to me now while there's time. I think this is a time we need to be turning back to God. We need to be getting that fire back. We need to be uh, letting it, you know, uh, it rub off on other people. We need to see other people turn back to God while there's still time. He said, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. We started the year off with 21 days of prayer 
and fasting. Uh, Steve fasted meat. He didn't worry about it too bad because he couldn't smell it cooking at first because of COVID, but about halfway through the fast, he could smell the bacon. <laughs> and it was rough, wasn't it? And so, <clears throat> you know, but, but we, we, we do that. Why? Because we want to give the first part of the year to the Lord. He said, turn to me while there's still time. Give me your hearts. And then in verse 25, he says this. He says, he said if we'll turn to him, you know, and I know we've lost things. I know we've, people have lost friends. Uh, we were in men's Bible study on, you know, Tuesday afternoon, and, and one of the guys has lost two or three friends, uh, you know, close friends here lately. We've lost, a lot of people have lost jobs or income or income's been reduced, different things. Health, I mean, some people have ongoing issues with, from COVID or other things. And, but God says this in Joel 2.25. He said, the Lord said, I will give back what you lost. He's in the context, if we turn back to God, he said, I'll give back what you've lost to the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, the cutting locust, the pandemic. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. And uh, I believe if we'll turn back to the Lord, I believe, uh, you know, that he'll restore us. I think that he can restore you individually. He can restore us as a community and us as a nation. I believe God is trying to get the attention of our nation. And, uh, and we've got to turn back to the Lord. I mean, if you think about it, Job, I always tell people, don't read Job while you're depressed unless you're going to go all the way to the last chapter. You know, because, uh, you know, a lot of bad stuff happened to Job. But Job had more in the end than he did at the beginning because God restored him. And so I want us to, to look at that. I think we need to be passionate about God. We need to stir up. You know, stir that spirit within us. And, and so look at Matthew 16, 18. He says, I say to you now, you're Peter. This is after Peter. You know, Peter always gives me hope because Peter says so many stupid things. But he said one good thing when Jesus said, who do you say I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and he said, now, I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, that confession, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let me tell you something. God builds his church. God builds this church. He builds every church. We can strategize. We can do whatever, but God is the one that builds it. And God said the devil and all the powers of hell will not conquer the church. So when you see the culture today, when you see the news media today, I mean, thank God we have a Supreme Court that just ruled that churches have a right to meet, that the government cannot shut churches down. And uh, in, in California, that, that breaks out to the whole country. So all the states, well, we've got fellow believers that have not met in their church in a year. Now they can meet. But he said the powers of hell won't conquer it. Let me tell you, the, the media won't conquer it. The, the far left agenda won't conquer it. Nobody is going to conquer the church because God has established the church. And nothing's going to destroy it. Let me tell you, Rome tried to destroy it. I mean, different, different times in history. Uh, the Antichrist is going to try and destroy it, but God has established the church. So here's what, what is the church? I mean, the church is us, people, right? Here's what we want uh, church to be. I want you to look at this and write this down. Our church is where people have found a relationship with God instead of religion. Think about that. Our church is where people have found a relationship with God Instead of religion, and where living for God is no longer a duty, but it's a joy. In other words, 
We don't want to have it. Oh, man, I've got to go do this on a Saturday. I can't believe I volunteered to go fix it, do whatever, you know, on Saturday. And, and so it's not a duty. It's a joy. We want people to enjoy serving the Lord. I, I, I want, it, it, to me, it's a joy uh, to do that. And, and uh, you know, it's no longer a duty. Serving is a delight. So what would we have to do for that to happen? Think about it. Uh, what would we have to do for it to be a, a, a personal relationship, not a religion, and a joy and not a duty? What has to happen? We've got to have some passion. We've got to be passionate. Look at Matthew 15, 8 through 9. Jesus is saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want that to be said about me or about us. He said, their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Too often in church, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we put all these rules in, right? These man-made rules. I mean, I, maybe you grew up in a church like that. And uh, my church wasn't that bad, uh, although there were rules, even though we weren't a real rules-based things, you had to dress up. I mean, my mother still insisted on us wearing a coat and tie to church, you know, and we we would go, and then so I always joked with y'all, y'all know my mama was here if I was wearing a suit, you know, and, um, and also, but, you know, we put these rules on there, and, and Rick Warren said this years ago, he said, it's a sin for church to be boring. It's a sin for church to be boring. So we put all this stuff on here, and we make it a bunch of rules like it's, and, and I'm not saying we don't need guidelines to live by, but we make it like, well, you know, you got to dress a certain way, you got to act a certain way. And most of the time in church, what that means is y'all got to sit there like y'all sitting in a funeral home. I couldn't find the picture, but I was looking for it. There's a picture. How many of y'all saw Bernie Sanders uh, at, the, at the thing with the mittens? Now, everybody jokes about that, but he had the warmest hands out there, I can tell you. And, uh, <clears throat> but they had one of Bernie. He's sitting there, and he said, this is, this is uh, what, what was it, a, a Baptist when he's when he's excited, and a uh, Pentecostal when he's bored, you know. <laughs> and so we don't want to be that, you know. But uh, you know, we want we want our hearts to be there with God. We want church to be excited. I mean, think about what we get excited about. How many of y'all get excited when LSU has a good season? Some of y'all. All right, y'all sitting there like we're in a funeral. It's not a funeral home. I love it when LSU's doing good. I mean, how many of you like it when the Saints do good? I mean. You know, we're loving it, and then we get mad when Drew, Drew Brees throws three interceptions and stuff like that. Ah, oh, what a bum, you know, and all that kind of stuff. People are, people are talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He had a bad day, all right? You know, anybody besides me ever had a bad day? <laughs> I mean, I just, the thing is, our, days aren't, our bad days aren't on national TV. <laughs> you know, there's a big difference. I mean, and then we, we get excited about stuff, and we come to church, and we sit on our hands like we're sitting in a funeral parlor. I mean, that... That's just, I mean, you know, that's not, that, that, that's not church. I mean, listen, we serve an awesome God. We serve a God that's forgiven you of your sins. We serve a God that's given you his spirit inside you, the power of the Holy Spirit to live a rich and satisfying life. We serve a God that's delivered us from some strongholds. Yeah, I mean, that's something to get excited about. Come on. You know, y'all need to, y'all need to uh, do some talking back, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. We need to be excited. Romans twelve eleven says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. 
serving the Lord. Let me tell you, we've got to keep our spiritual fervor. Like I said, men's Bible study, one of the men said, said I don't want to be uh, lukewarm. I want to be on fire for Jesus. Let me tell you something. We want to be on fire. You might write that down. Set me on fire, Lord. I want, I want to be like a bottle rocket for Jesus. I mean, you know, it, it, we need to be on fire, never lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor. We don't need to be like that. They're going to sell more of the images of that around the world than anything going here. So I want to talk about four areas of passion we need to look at. You know, all these movies show Jesus as this real serious guy. He's either got a halo or he's just real serious. <clears throat> I believe Jesus was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, think about it. You put, a, you put 13 men together, they're going to have some fun. I mean, uh, you know, but, but here's the thing. Jesus was a kid magnet. He had, I mean, remember the stories where the disciples told the children, leave him alone. Jesus said, no, no, no. You let him come. Kids were always wanting to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. You got to be a fun guy for that to happen. You got to have some creativity. You got to have some candy in your robes. You know, I mean, you know, he 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 had some good stuff for him. I mean, Jesus was a kid magnet. I mean, he had people all over him, but he was passionate. Look at this story in the, about Jesus in the temple. You know, this a lot of people don't like to talk about this story a lot, but it says in the temple area, he saw how merchants were selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw the dealers at the dealer's tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip of some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Now, that's not the, the loving, sweet Jesus the world wants us to think about. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, fl turned over the tables. Y'all, this wasn't no little deal. He chased a bunch of people out. If he was some little bitty wimpy dude with a halo, that wouldn't have worked out too good. But, I mean, he, he, he got it going. And then, and then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here and stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. I want passion for God's house, for the things of God, to consume me, don't you? I mean, I want us to have that kind of passion. So let's look at some passions that I think we need to have. Number one, we need to have a passion for prayer. When we started this church, and I think we've gotten off track a little bit, we had a few more people last night at prayer than normal, but um, we, we, we wanted this church to be based on prayer, a lot of prayer and, and seeking God and, and things like that. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 13, he said, my temple will be called a house of prayer. And that's what we, we want to be excited about prayer. I mean, you know, it's amazing. People say, hey, we need more prayer. So we started a prayer service on Saturday night, and six people come. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, we don't come with an agenda. I don't have three points and an application. We get in here and pray. We walk around the chairs and pray. We get on our knees and pray and, and stuff like that. And, and we're just here 30, 45 minutes in, in prayer and stuff. And, uh, and James says this, James 5, 16, the half-brother of Jesus said, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. He said, pray for each other for healing. Then he said this, the earnest prayer, circle that, of a righteous person has great power. You're righteous if you're following Christ. That's what he's talking about. But the earnest prayer, the, the effectual, fervent prayer, prayer that where it's not, just a, it's not just a, okay, God, heal that person. 
I mean, you're praying with some purpose. You're praying, and, and prayer, I think, should be excited. I'm, I told everybody last night, I said, I'm used to uh, Kathy's family and stuff like that. We, we, when all her sisters and my brother-in-laws are all together, and, and one of them says, let's pray, everybody's praying. I mean, it's noisy. And, uh, and, and uh, here's the thing. We need some noisy prayer going on. We need, to, we need to get prayer, you know I mean? We need to be excited about praying. It's not like, okay, God, I just want you to bless this person. No, what, what do you want God to do for that person? I mean, you know, too many churches have, you know, prayer is kind of a dull time. I can remember being in groups and that, you know, you like to get in a circle, right, and hold hands. Anybody ever done that? And, or you're sitting and, and they'll tap you on the leg when it's your turn to pray. They go around the circle. And, and, and the worst thing you can do is be last because everybody's already used your material. I mean, you know, you're, somebody's praying something and you go, well, I was going to say that. And then somebody else will pray and say, well, they took my other point. And, then, and so when it gets to you, you just tap the next person and let it go on by, you know what I mean? But, but you know what I mean? You do that or, or what, what gets me is, is you be praying and, and <clears throat> somebody raise their hand and get attention and, so what's your prayer request? Oh, it's unspoken. God wants us to speak some prayer requests, people. You know, I mean, he wants us to speak some prayer requests. And uh, we need to go after God in prayer. That's why we did the 21 days of prayer. And we're going to step that up from now on. And, and we're going to get back to our root of, of passionate prayer. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, what do you do if, if maybe the passion's gone out of your prayer life? Write this down. We need to make prayer our first response and not our last resort. Before I start trying to figure it out, before I start reading the magazine articles and the books and all that kind of stuff, and none of that is bad, but we need to make prayer our first response instead of trying to figure it out. Second passion. Second passion is for praise and worship. For praise and worship. I mean, we... You know, worship needs to be energetic. Y'all did pretty good today, but we're going we're gonna to get better. I mean, you know, look, you know, some of y'all are at the toe-tapping stage. Y'all singing up there with Steve and them, and you got the foot going. Some of y'all are kind of, you know, here you kind of doing this. Every now and then somebody do a little clap, you know. We need to do some clapping and some moving. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it needs to be exciting. And, and look, what, look what Mark 12, 30 says. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Did that sound like dull worship right there? All your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Get excited about it. When we're worshiping, we want to get excited about it. And, and, uh, and so we need, to, we need to do that. Nothing is dull. I mean, think about David, King David. Wrote the Psalms, you know. I mean, think think about David. He said he was passionate about praising the Lord. Look at Psalm 101, I mean 103, verse 1. He said, Let all I am praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. See, we we let our voices sometimes, we don't let our arms go, you know, or our faces go. We'll be singing. We'll be singing, uh, uh, Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Better than you. I should have brought that, that worship video to show y'all of that song. I mean, we, we want to see some, some jumping around. I mean, you know, the guy wrote that song. Uh, we were watching that video, and Kathy's going, I want to do my hair like his. I mean, you know, it, it's like, you know, he had some pretty hair, you know. And uh, y'all ladies, if y'all saw it, you might want to do that, you know. But, 
But it's got to be energetic. David said, I let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. That means we need to sing. We need to clap. We need to, you know, move a little bit, you know. I mean, get something going. I mean, raise your hands. It's all right even to dance. I, listen, I double-dog dare you to just let go and stop worrying about what people think. I mean, and I'm talking to me. I, I, I'm basically shy. I know nobody believes that. But, but give the Lord your best. Don't just give him that toe-tap. I mean, David, <coughs> Israel had lost the ark to the Philistines. And uh, they went, David finally got to a point where he could go back and get it. He went and got it from the Philistines, and then somebody died because they grabbed the ark, and so they let it stay at a man's house, and God blessed that man for a couple months. And so then David went to get it. And when they went to get it, uh, David worshipped so much, they would take six steps, and David will kill an animal and sacrifice it, and they would worship the Lord. Think about it, about an eight-mile walk every six steps. That's a lot of, lot of worship going on right there. They'd go one, two, three, four, five, six, stop. They'd, they'd worship the Lord. I mean, it was an awesome thing. And, and, and they were worshiping, and here's what happened. In 2 Samuel 6, 20 through 22, when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family and appointed me as leader of Israel to the people of, of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. And here's what he said. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. Da David was saying, look, I'm just letting it rip for the Lord. Now, none, I don't want none of y'all take your clothes off, all right? I mean, you know, anything like that. But, but, you know, David was willing to worship the Lord. And we need to take David's attitude towards praising, I think. I mean, we need to be passionate for God. There was a, there's a, a, naval, a, a naval air station in, in uh, South Carolina, and, and what was happening was the planes would take off and, and the runway was right by the highway, and when they'd take off and kick in the afterburners, it's loud. If you've ever, I used to play golf out by the Naval Air Station out there, and you'd hear the planes all the time. And when those planes take off, it's loud, and, and it was even causing wrecks on the highway. So they put a sign up that said, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. Pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. In other words, it's going to be loud over the next few miles when you're riding. But listen, I, you know, and, and that's awesome. I, I mean, our military guys, they're awesome. And our, our, it's amazing what they can do. But for us, we need to have a sign that says, pardon our noise. This is the sound of someone who's been set free. Pardon our noise. We're going to worship. This is the sound of somebody that's been set free. Listen, when you've been set free, you don't sit on your hands. I mean, God's healed you of a disease. God set you free from an addiction. I mean, he's saved you. He's forgiven you sins. You no longer have to walk in shame. And when you get free, it's exciting. You want to worship the Lord. And, and, and so Hebrews says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. Pastor Kathy talked about she's worshiping and praising while she's getting ready. I mean, play some music. 
I was listening to music on the way over here. It's a whole lot better than talk radio is today, I can tell you. You know, but let us offer that continual sacrifice. Listen, we want to give God what he deserves and not what he feels. Say that with me. We want to give God what he deserves, not what we feel. Anybody ready to do that? Come on up, band. We're going to sing a song before we finish this message. We're going to give you a chance now. I've been talking about passion. Been talking about some clapping. Get your hair going. Here we go. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty brains and treasures that fade whenever in love. And you came along and put me back together.
I should have brought my asthma inhaler after that one. Huh? Now, wasn't that fun? Man, that's the way it needs to be all the time. We give God what he deserves, not what we feel. I sure was glad I started breathing better during that song. Man, we got to have a passion for praise and worship. I love that song. Y'all did good. I love that drum. All right, number three. Not only do we have a passion for prayer and a passion for uh, praise and worship, we have a passion for purity. This gets overlooked in our culture today. I'm not talking about perfection, but, but listen, the world doesn't like purity. The world, the culture wants us to just do what you want. It's okay. There's no right. There's no wrong. Uh, you know, but we're going to hate what evil is evil, and we're going to cling to what's right. Listen, our culture mocks the church. You look at TV shows. If there's a Christian, they're making fun of them, and, uh, and, and they're making fun of you and I. But listen, we're going to stand firm in our beliefs because what God says about morality, about ethics, works, and you feel better when you're doing things God's way. When people are miserable, uh, a lot of the, the stuff with transgenderism and everything, when people have had those surgeries and, and, every, and, the, and the culture wants you to think, oh, that's just, you know, that's okay. The suicide rate among those folks is tremendous. Why? Because they've gone against their nature. They've gone against the way God created them. And, uh, and it happens in every aspect. When, you're, when you know you're not living the way God wants you to do, the worst, most miserable person in the world is somebody knows what God wants them to do and then is not doing it. I'd, I'd rather not know. But you're miserable when you're not doing what God wants you to do. And so... We're, while the world may mock us, and we've got we've to learn how we can walk and, and be salt and light in our culture, and, and, uh, and we're going to do that, and we're going we're gonna to stand for purity. Now, the Israelites, much like our country, slipped into sin to there was a point where God was about to send a plague to destroy them. I mean, Israel, it, it, this happened all the time to them. And, and God would get ready to destroy him. And a guy named Finehas, the grandson of Aaron. Remember Moses and Aaron? Well, his grandson, Finehas, he saw the sin, the root of the sin that was going on, and he did something about it. He went and grabbed a spear and, and, and killed the two people that were committing the, the sacrilege that was going on. And, and in Numbers 25, here's what it says. Finehas, the son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. You see, Finehas was zealous for the Lord. And he turned away God's anger from them. So I stopped destroying all of Israel as I'd intended to do in my zealous anger. Another time, a guy named Jehu. Anybody ever heard of Jehu? You've heard the expression, you drive like Jehu? You know, my wife tells me that all the time. Uh, but Jehu was going after the wicked descendants of Ahab. And, uh, and, and then he saw a guy named Jonadab, Jehonadab, and, uh, and asked him to come with him. He, and, and here's what he said. Now come with me and see how devoted I am to the Lord. How many of you can say that about somebody? To somebody? I, want, I want to be able to say, hey, look, you come with me and I'm going to show you how passionate I am for God. That's what, that's what Jehu said. And so Jonadab rode along with him. 
and, and he showed him how passionate he was for the God. Matter of fact, Jesus says it like this, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone may, will praise your heavenly Father. We need to be passionate for purity, and, that involve, and, that, and what that does we need, is we're witnesses. we got to live it before we talk it. We got to live it before we talk it. Let your good deeds shine out. Let my let my good work ethic, let my my ethics, my morals, my my words, my thoughts, my actions show for people to see. Listen, and our culture doesn't like that. Write this down. We need to be a voice, not an echo. We need to be a voice of salt and light. We need to be a voice, not not in a judgmental way. But we need to be a voice and not an echo of what's going around. We don't need to echo all this craziness going around. We need to be a voice, not an echo. The fourth is we better have a passion for people. I say that because Jesus has a passion for people. God has a passion for people. I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I, I like Christianity. I just don't like people. Can't like Christian, you can't like Jesus and not like people. Jesus loves people. You can't follow him and not love people. Look what John 3.16 says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone, even me, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, that, that, that call for salvation is to everybody. You see, and God has a passion for people. So we need to do everything we can to reach people. Everything we do here, we want to reach somebody. Even this, even this, uh, <coughs> this banquet Friday night. If you've got some people who won't come to church, see if they'll come eat a good meal. We just need to know fairly quickly. I mean, everything we do, and we're trying to figure out how we can do things and that are outreach oriented in a pandemic time and not spread this virus. You know, it looks different. It is different. And, uh, and, and so, but why? Because God sent his son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. My little brother said this about COVID. He said, I wouldn't wish this on somebody I didn't like. I wouldn't wish hell on somebody I didn't like either, no matter how much I didn't like them. God loves people. We, we got we, we to love people. He loves them. That's why he created them. That's why he sent Jesus to redeem us. And it's why he's given you and me the message of love to bring people back to him. And it's why we need to, I believe, we need to invite people back to church. I mean, we're, be, we're being careful. We're wearing masks, you know. And, and, um, and so, we, I mean, if we want people that are sick, stay home for sure. But listen, if we, we grow more people, we'll add services. We'll make Steve and the band work harder. You know, I mean, you know. Uh, it, it will just we'll, we'll add more services. You know, Paul said this. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Think about that. I mean, Paul had done all this. My life is worth nothing. Does that sound like somebody's passionate? I mean, he's passionate about everything. He said, he said, my life's worth nothing to me unless I finish use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And that's... I want to be that. He said, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's why we've been talking about, you know, that we need to just share. We don't, you don't need to give somebody a theological lesson. You just need to tell them what God's done in you. 
You know, God set you free. We got people been set free of drugs. We got people been set free of other things. And all you got to do is share what God's done to me. See, somebody can out-argue anybody on theology, but they can't out-argue what God's done in your life. Think about it. We just need to share that. Write this down. Remember, a life not lived for others is not a life. I mean, we got to, God focuses on people and he wants us to focus on people. I'm not saying you just burn yourself out and do all this kind of stuff, but if you're bored and you're hurting, maybe you're focused too much on yourself. And we need to focus on others. We need to pray for others' needs. You know, remember, I mean, just think about it. Remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Christ. Just, just go back down memory lane. You were on fire. I remember when I, when I first gave my life to Christ, I couldn't wait to get to school the next day and tell my buddies that I accepted Christ. And a couple of them had too. They're feeling the same way. And, and, and so, but we get away from that sometimes. And so we need to, we need to tell people. <clears throat> we need to be passionate about God. Look what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2. He said, but I have this complaint against you. Listen, you don't want to have God saying, I'm, I got this complaint against you. It's not what you want to hear. He said, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. And, and what had happened to this church is they had fallen away from their passionate love of God and other people. And I believe the church in America has gotten that way. I believe it's easy to be that, especially this year when we've been holed up in our houses and, and living with the fear of this COVID. And I can tell you, COVID's not fun. Get the shot when you can, you know what I mean? You know, and, and, and so, uh, you know, but, but we don't walk in fear. We walk with some common sense. He said, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. And then he said, look how far you've fallen. And sometimes we just got to take an a, a assessment of ourselves. That's what the guys were doing Tuesday. They were, they were looking and, and said, man, I don't want to be lukewarm, and I want to be this, but I'm, I've kind of gotten this way. And, and so you got you to at least recognize it. And then look what he says. Turn back to me. So we got to repent. we got to turn back to God say, I, you know, I've been drifting over here. Lord, I'm coming back. I'm going to start reading my Bible again. I'm going to start telling people what you've done for me. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to get back active in church. I know I've just come about once a month or whatever and just watched on TV every now and then, and I'm getting back plugged in. He said, turn back to me, and he said, do the works you did at first. I mean, think about it. When you first got saved, you go to a Bible study, and it'd be two hours. You'd be still sitting there. Instead of 30 minutes, y'all all looking at your watch. Is he going to be done by 11.15 so we can make it to Texas Roadhouse before White Dove does? <laughs> Turn back and do the work you did at first. I mean, we got to get excited and passionate about the things of God. Bible study. You know, everything from Bible study, giving, serving, attendance, uh, small groups. We're going to be uh, hopefully doing some small groups soon. Let me tell you something. Before I became a pastor, there was nothing more important for me than being in church. But why? Because of what God had done for me, what God had done in my life. I used to get free tickets to the Saints games. Now, I mean, I even got invited to sit in the box, those nice places where they cut the roast beef. I never, ever saw the first quarter of a Saints game. Why? Because I went to church. And then... The fellowship with some of the people was more important than getting there for kickoff. I got to see some of the games. 
true, they were terrible back then, but, but you know, it was still NFL. So, you know, we, we put everything. We put birthday parties in front of worship. We put shopping in front of worship. We put all kinds of stuff in front of worship. Because, well, I can just watch it on TV. It doesn't work that way. This is power. How, how many of y'all enjoyed that song, Grave Cigar? Wasn't that something? I mean, that's the way y'all to feel. You can't feel that way at home. You can't feel that way at home. And then Jesus throws a warning in here. He said, turn, turn it back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. He was saying that to the church. Let me tell you, we need to repent. We need to repent and turn back to God. Listen, I want this year, 2021, to be the year you get your fire back. I want you to get your fire. I didn't say set it on fire. <clears throat> I want you to get your fire back. I want us all to get our fire back, our passion back for the Lord. I mean, you know, think about those times when you loved prayer more, Bible study more, worship more. You love people more. You know, when you, well, I always tell when I need to, to be uh, getting with God more than I am, it's because I got to start getting aggravated with people. But the more I focus on God and worship and Bible study and prayer, the more I like people. Why? Because God likes people. So this year, I want us to get our fire back. I want us to get our fire back. And, uh, and you know, and we need to come back and do those things that we did at first. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, you see each person in this room, God, and, and Lord, I just pray for those, Lord, that maybe we've been isolated, watching on video right now. We've been isolated in our houses. And we have lost that fire, that passion might even be moving towards being lukewarm and God I don't want to be lukewarm I don't want to be cold, I want to be hot as a firecracker so Lord I pray for those who've kind of slipped back and Lord not, not necessarily by any fault of their own, we've been told we had to stay home for months on end and Lord we know that that's been damaging to people God, it's, it's, it's time, God, for us to turn back to you. And I pray that you'd restore. Lord, that you'd restore that. I pray that we would, Lord, we'd look at how far we've fallen. That we'd turn back to you. And we'd do the things that we did in the beginning. That, God, we would passionately worship you. That we would make prayer a focal point. Lord, that we would have a passion for your people. God, just that we would... We would move that way, God. Lord, for those that don't know you, I pray that today maybe they've heard something that you've spoken to them that say, you know what? I want to be part of that. I want to be part of passionate worship, passionate prayer. I want to be passionate about other people. So God, I, I just pray, God. I, I want to live a pure life. I want to feel good about myself, Lord. I pray for those folks that right now that you tug on their heart, that you know what, they decide to give their lives to you completely, that they decide to give their time to you, that they're going to devote 
some time to you, whether it's you know, a church, prayer, Bible study, all of that. Lord, that they're going to have a passion for purity. They're going to say, you know what, I'm going to live by what I know God's told me to do, by the Word of God. That they'll have a, a passion for praise and worship, which means they'll be in here dancing and clapping and having a good time in worship. God, that we'll be passionate about your people. About seeing the lost come to know you. So Lord, I pray that for our people. For those that don't know you, I want to give you an opportunity to know Christ today. You just got to pray a prayer. It's not any magic words. It's just real simple words. You, you can repeat this after me. I'm going to pray it. You can just repeat it silently. God, I admit to you that I'm a, save, a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and be my Savior. Be my Lord, which means as best I can, I'm going to give you control of my life. Please give me the power of your Spirit so I can do that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, God's going to begin to change you. God's going to begin to change you. You've just been welcomed in the family of God. So, Lord, we just thank you, God. I pray you'd make yourself real in each person that prayed that's life. Lord, whether they notify us on a connection card or whether they, uh, Lord, put it in the chat bar or send me a private message, Lord, we want to see people come to know you. We want to see people passionate about worship, passionate about living a pure life, passionate about uh, prayer, Lord. We need to. Be passionate about prayer. That Saturday night prayer time ought to be full. God, we want to be passionate about seeing other people come to know you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go out here with some worship. And uh, we'll still beat White Duff to Texas Roadhouse, y'all. So don't worry, we're going to sing a song. If you need to get your uh, uh, name on the list for the Valentine's Banquet, see me or Pastor Kathy after. If you want to pay, that's good too. God bless you.
blessed week, everybody.